Well, I invite your reverent attention to the Word of God as it's found in Jude. We'll read, be reading verses 17 to 19. The Word of the Lord. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you, in the last time there shall be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. Of all of the uh, failures of uh, men, uh, certainly near the top is uh, uh, that of forgetting. I mean, how many times have uh, parents, uh, we heard from our children, well, I forgot. Or how many times have we used the same notion, perhaps, to a teacher, professor, a neighbor, well, I forgot. Uh, and yet, uh, one of the great lessons of Scripture is uh, if you forget God, you will, you will soon fail in a tragic, uh, in many cases, unrecoverable way. So forgetting is a, a pronounced uh, failure of uh, of, uh, of mankind, and it is uh, not a disease for which the church is immune. And so uh, Jude uh, comes this morning to remind us uh, of the warnings of the apostles. Uh, there is a uh, structural shift here in uh, our brief epistle. Uh, if you recall, Jude has previously been warning us of incredible danger uh, describing the danger uh, in marked ways, uh, great metaphors from nature, uh, speaking to us about the failure of these men, uh, that, they, that they serve, uh, uh, the false teachers serve in a long line of people who have rebelled against God. Uh, but he leaves all of that uh, behind in our text this morning as he uh, shifts to exhort the church uh, described the danger of false teachers, now he turns to exhort the church. Uh, and the first exhortation is in verses 17 to 19, our text this morning, uh, and uh, the second, verses 20 to 23, uh, the Lord willing, we will look at uh, next Sunday. Uh, so the first exhortation is a duty of uh, Christian people uh, to remember the warnings of the apostles uh, but it's really much more than remember the warnings, it's to act accordingly. Uh, all of us uh, are reminded throughout our lives of various warnings. Uh, more often than not, or perhaps oftentimes, we, we do not act accordingly. Uh, I have that famous argument with my dashboard. I get these warnings that my tires are low. I desperately want to neglect the warning, but... If I do so, it will only be to my own peril. There's all types of warnings throughout our culture. Street signs uh, telling us to slow down, uh, warnings of, uh, of history, uh, on and on. But uh, here, uh, the church is given a solemn duty to remember, but it is much more than a cognitive event. It's uh, to act. So remembering is, uh, is vital. Uh, the word here to remember, uh, uh, verse 17, is, uh, is an imperative so it constitutes a duty that we must embrace. 
Uh, but it also includes what I've suggested time and again of appropriate action. Uh, this is not simply a memory event, a naked memory event. That's uh, what's to follow the event, which is uh, really of uh, substantive importance for the church. Uh, let me try to illustrate this uh, from the Old Testament. If you have uh, your Bible, if you'll turn to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, there is a, a summons on behalf of Moses of a great uh, cognitive event. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh, uh, the verb, again, is an imperative to hear. So to hear something. Uh, but that cognitive event of hearing uh, is followed uh, by a number of actions, meaning that this great Shema of Israel is more than a confessional statement. And that's really what uh, is of profound significance. Uh, something we must act upon. Uh, this uh, hearing event, uh, known as the great Shema of Israel, uh, I'm sure uh, you have heard over and over again in your Christian faith, but it is to drive certain aspects of conduct. Let's look at the aspects of conduct that follow the imperative to hear. Uh, first, we're to love God totally. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. So that our devotion to the divine is restricted to Him alone. And we must not have any divided loyalties. That's the import of the Shema, or the command to hear. When it comes to uh, the gods of the world, we can only have one. The God will brook no divided loyalties. There's one God, and we must serve Him and Him alone. The repetition uh, all means we cannot compartmentalize Him. It's a great uh, disease uh, among Christian people. A few hours on Sunday, and that's all God gets. Uh, no, God wants more than a few hours on Sunday. He wants every hour. Uh, so it's a reminder. He wants everything. And when it comes to worship, we must be exclusive in our loyalty. Uh, second action that's to follow the great Shema of Israel. Uh, that these words are to be on our heart. Verse 6. Thirdly, we're to teach our sons. Generic sense, teach our children, verse 7. And look at the series of merisms uh, that is enjoined in teaching our children. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and talk of them. Uh, now notice the merism, when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. The point of the merism is that every action in between, sitting and walking, teaching constantly your children. And when you lie down and when you rise up, everything in between, even through the night seasons. And then again, verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. Uh, again, a symbolism to me that you bind them on your hand in the sense that everything you do is to be a testimony that your loyalty to God 
is pure and undivided. And that what you do is reflective of the Shema of the church. There's but one God. But it's more than just doing. It's, uh, we, we bind it on our foreheads, again, to me, symbolic, that all of our thoughts. Uh, we give devotion to no one else when it comes to divine. Our service uh, is given to him alone. Uh, we're to write them on the doorposts of our house, on the gates, telling the world that we serve the one true God and him alone. So that all the time, everywhere and everybody is to be a reflection of Deuteronomy 6.4. It's not just an audible hearing event. It's all the actions that follow as a testimony that we have heard the word of the Lord. It engages the duty of loyalty because forgetting, forgetting leads to failure. Uh, so if you, uh, if you look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, you catch something of the fuller uh, reality in the 12th verse. Then watch yourselves, lest you forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. So we're to serve God with all of our hearts, all our minds, all of our might and power, lest we forget him. Because forgetting is a terrible danger in the church. Uh, Book of Judges, chapter 3, verse 7, Israel forgot God. Now, they didn't forget him as a cognitive event, but it's captured in the phrase that follows, they forgot God because they served other, other gods. That's what tells us that they forgot. Yeah, they're oft-repeated refrain throughout the book of Judges, every man did what was right in his own eyes rather than what was right in the eyes of God. Now, we have a way of saying, yes, there's a God, but I fashion my own way to him. Uh, he has his rules, but I have mine. He tells me how to come to him, but I'm going to tell him how I'm going to come to him. We begin to think that way. It's reflective of forgetting God. Now, his name may be everywhere in your house, uh, you might have half a dozen Bibles in your house. Uh, you might have a couple of bumper stickers telling people that you remember God. But again, it's all of your actions and your deeds and your thoughts that are the greater testimony. Uh, and this repeated lesson of failure uh, is not to be lost upon us. Uh, it's a summary of this, of all the failures of Israel, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 11 and 12. Uh, it's a long list of the failures of Israel in the previous context. And then Paul summarizes, now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction. Don't forget God in your actions and your thoughts. Remember him, keep his word. Written for our instruction. And now notice... Uh, the intensity that Paul gives to us, upon whom the ends of the ages have come, that Christ, the great Redeemer, has come, all the more we must not forget God in our thoughts and actions and in teaching our children, everyone, all the time, everywhere. Uh, therefore, the warning, let him who stands 
Uh, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. He's enjoining the Corinthian church uh, not to forget God uh, after uh, the testimony of the nation of Israel. Uh, I would simply remind you from these very powerful warnings that uh, most people forget God by degree. I'm just too busy at work to have a devotion. Uh, there's just too much going on. And so we begin to delete things uh, that we have a duty to do. So we begin to forget by degrees. And I would remind you from the legacy of the nation of Israel that forgetting God means failing. Uh, I'm reminded uh, that more tires go flat by slow leaks than they do by blowouts. And that is a disease that comes into the church. We begin to experience slow leaks in our lives. and We begin to forget by degree. And the reminder of our text this morning, as is the reminder of the entire history of the nation of Israel, that to forget is to fail. And the degrees become more pronounced over more time. The object of uh, the imperative from Jude uh, is uh, the repeated warnings of the apostles. Uh, and notice, notice how they are defined of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the apostles were qualified agents of the Lord. Uh, I'm reminded oftentimes that uh, uh, in the American church, sometimes people refer to themselves as apostles. Uh, probably a difficult nomenclature in modern times given that the agents here were appointed personally by Jesus Christ. But as such, they warn us and we must not uh, neglect uh, their warnings. In the parallel uh, phrase in 2 Peter, the prophets are included. Not just the apostles, 2 Peter 3.2, also the prophets, so that we are therefore to engage a revelatory event in remembering uh, the God of the Scripture and the warnings of His appointed agents. Because God has revealed Himself. He has revealed Himself in words. For us today, those words are captured for us in Holy Scripture. Words breathed out by the living God. Uh, that constitute a measure of duty to be faithful. Uh, I, I hearken back to perhaps what is uh, some of the more important words of uh, this brief epistle uh, of the faith, uh, verse 3, once for all delivered to the saints, uh, that we are to give attention uh, to the baton that has been passed to us Protect it, preserve it, persevere in it, and pass it on to our children. Uh, because it's been delivered to us. And what do we do with what's delivered to us? We take care. We preserve and keep it. We persevere in it. We obey it. Uh, we pass it on. Once for all, delivered to the saints. Uh, it is a disease that comes with forgetting. That we begin to think that well, this is... Uh, 2019, 
Uh, we can have our own way to God. We can make our own rules. Uh, we can fashion our own uh, services. But again, our faith has once for all been delivered to the saints. Uh, we must remember it, we must keep it, preserve it uh, because of the divine revelation. Uh, so the, the imperative of uh, remember embraces a content uh, of the warnings of the apostles and the prophets. Uh, I would extend that to all of Scripture. Uh, and then uh, we shift from the content uh, that we are to remember the times, the times in which Jude is writing. Uh, embrace a measure of the times in which you and I live. Uh, times of uh, marked danger. Uh, typically, when we confront dangerous uh, periods in our lives, uh, our senses are all more the alert. Uh, our senses as a Christian people are to be alert because of the danger of the times. Uh, look, if you would, at, at how uh, Jude uh, describes the times in verse 18. In the last times, uh, that you and I live in the end times, and that part of the end times is that mockers will come, and uh, they will ridicule and make fun of the moral law and of divine judgment. Uh, we... Uh, we live in a lawless culture with respect to uh, moral law. And uh, we are rapidly losing the concept of judgment. Uh, that God will come. He will sift. He will divide. Uh, so part of remembering is couched in this context of the intensity that we live in dangerous times. And we ought not to be surprised by opposition. And our opponents should not detract from our faithfulness. Uh, part of the, uh, the elements of the end times is that the opposition will seek to destroy us, uh, and that is the, the, the point of the warnings that we are in the end times. Uh, Jude uses the phrase, the last times. Peter uses uh, the last days. It's very interesting that uh, the Apostle John in his first epistle uh, speaks of the last hour. Uh, don't have time to go there, but I think it's an allusion to the Greek translation of the Old Testament in Daniel chapter 12. It's a reference to the danger of the last times, that seducers will come to destroy uh, and to transform the church after the image and morality of the world uh, and seek to turn us from being faithful to Christ and to deceive us into believing that perseverance in truth and transformation are not essential. Uh, notice I, I gave you two elements there. We're to persevere in the truth. We're to protect uh, the corpus of the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Uh, but also uh, the transformation uh, of uh, the life of the church. Uh, that the truth of Scripture is a dynamic event that transforms the people of God, after the image of Christ. Uh, the truth uh, does not leave us uh, alone. It touches every aspect of our lives. That's something I think of the merisms found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. That write them on your door. Write them on the gates of your city. Uh, 
Uh, write them on your hands, on your minds, uh, as, as a reminder uh, of the transformation uh, of the truth in our lives. Uh, that church is not just a couple of hours on Sunday. Uh, it is not just a lecture hall. It is a time of transformation that occurs uh, all throughout uh, our lives. Uh, wonderful illustration of this in the life of our Lord. Luke chapter 9, verse 51. That uh, our Lord, uh, in his public ministry, uh, as you know, uh, moves to Jerusalem in the time of great tribulation that will result in his crucifixion. And Luke 9, 51 reads, he set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem. And throughout his life, what were the Pharisees and Sadducees trying to do? Get him to compromise. Uh, get him to join their ranks. Throughout his life, they were trying to turn him to their way. And they had forgotten God. Uh, I, I am sure uh, we, could, we could speak in terms of they wanted to get him to compromise and perhaps make him an exalted rabbi uh, in their midst. Give him a great academic title to get him to compromise. Perhaps promise him a measure of the treasury of the temple to buy him off. Uh, but that was not his charge from God. His charge was to do the will of the Lord, to go to Jerusalem, to be crucified, to suffer intensely, something of a marker of the persecution uh, that breaks upon all Christians, maybe not in the fullness of that degree, but nonetheless, uh, to suffer for the faith. Uh, that the opposition was totally unsuccessful in turning our Lord because he set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem. That you and I, in like manner, should set our face like a flint to keeping, preserving, protecting, persevering in the entirety of the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Well, there are cases in scriptures, you know, where the opponents uh, were successful. Uh, Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Timothy, uh, chapter 4, and verse 1. Uh, that we're to remember, because some will forget, and forgetting is to fail. Well, some fail, and Paul writes of them, 1 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 1. But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the truth, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. They fall away. Again, an event within the church. Uh, they commit the sin of apostasy. Uh, they leave the faith. Not in the sense of geographic dislocation, but they leave the faith in terms of the truths of Scripture. Uh, and again, it's not the times per se, but it's the events of the times of marked danger and the reality that the opposition will make life difficult for us. Uh, 
so that an essential response of remembering is that we must remain uncompromising as to truth and its transformational power. Uh, we must uh, remember, and this includes rejecting false teachers, of getting away from them. And preserving the legacy that the apostles and the prophets have passed on to us. Uh, the American church is always changing. It ought not to be. Uh, in light of uh, the imperative that Jude gives to us to remember, the words of the apostles and the prophets. Uh, what does it look like to be uncompromising, to be like uh, the Lord Jesus? Second uh, Timothy, of course, a great epistle that is an expression of that. Uh, the Apostle Paul didn't use the exact words that Luke uh, uh, uses in chapter 9, verses, uh, verse 51, but he says, I fought the good fight, I've kept the faith. That's what it means to remember the words of the apostles and the prophets, to have kept the faith, to fight the good fight. Let's look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 10. Pardon me, chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. But you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance. Persecution, suffering such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured. And out of them all the Lord delivered me. And indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's what it looks like for the church to set its face like a flint towards heavenly Jerusalem, uh, to fight the good fight, to keep the faith. Uh, there's a graphic uh, illustration of this warning in in uh, Revelation chapter 12. Uh, I've alluded to this a couple of times in this uh, series on Jude, but it's so graphic it is a reason that we are to heed the warning uh, because of uh, what it means. Uh, Revelation chapter 12. Uh, we have a church uh, being somewhat captured in the imagery of uh, the Exodus when the children of Israel were fleeing the armies of Pharaoh. Uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse, verse, 16, verse 15 and 16, the serpent, the great dragon, is pursuing the church, the messianic community. He's pursuing us, by the way. And the serpent poured out water like a river out of its mouth, after the woman, so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood, a flood of deception that comes into the church to sweep the church away, to destroy the church. Yet, uh, just as the Apostle Paul used the words that the Lord helped me and delivered me, so uh, Revelation 12, 16, the earth helped the woman, opened its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out of its mouth that the constant, the imagery here, the dragon, constant stream of lies and deception uh, coming out uh, of its mouth to sweep the church away. Reason 
uh, that the warning is so important. It's the reason that the refrain of the warning, uh, people forget, but forgetting means failing. Uh, in my own commentary, that we begin to forget by degrees. We begin to leave off and leave out, and slowly and surely, the degrees become more and more pronounced. Uh, I'm somewhat uh, reminded uh, of the larger theological context of this phrase, the end times, uh, because it means that the church will go through the end time tribulation in which the degrees of attack by the dragon will become more and more pronounced. Uh, but a, a good portion of the American church denies that, that the church will ever go through such tribulation. It's like turning off the warning light. It's like me disregarding uh, my warning light that uh, my, my tires are losing air. Uh, a constant reminder that more people fail in life by slow leaks than they do by great blowouts. So we sometimes make an art form out of turning off the warning lights. The result, of course, is that we begin to lose a sense of urgency or tenacity and we begin to dance with compromise. Uh, and our life slowly begins uh, to forget God. It's a great historical illustration of this, the Spanish Civil War. 1936. Uh, interesting to me that the Spanish Civil War uh, was used as a training ground uh, for Adolf Hitler in preparation for the warfare that he was going to conduct. So many might, people might say, well, the Spanish Civil War, what does Spain have to do with me? Well, uh, a lot. Because Adolf Hitler was going to school on the Spanish Civil War and learning. It was said that while four rebel columns were advancing on the city of Madrid, a fifth column was within the city advancing the revolution by sabotage and espionage. Very well be that there is a fifth column in many of our churches and seminaries. The danger is the point of Jude. Uh, uh, the whole counsel of God, the words of the Apostle Paul, Acts 20. Hear the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And the warning that follows, for certain men have crept in unawares, crept into the church, unbeknownst to most, because they're not paying attention to the warnings of the apostles and the prophets. A fifth column. Again, uh, the duty of, uh, not, not as a memory event, uh, not just hearing the lecture, passing the test, but hearing the Scripture and doing the Scripture, and thinking the Scripture, obeying the Scripture, uh, preserving and keeping the faith because of the marked danger of what it means to forget. Ultimately, it means to fail radically and terribly. 
Uh, Jude gives to us a reason we are to remember the words of the apostles and the prophets. So there follows upon uh, the duty uh, a reason. Uh, and that reason is the character of our enemy. Uh, begins in verse 18. Jude describes the character, character of our foe. Uh, that these men are within the church and they are outside of Christ and they seek our harm. Uh, Jude gives us their character because character matters. Gives us their character, I think, because their character is an expression that their lives are untouched by the transformational power of the truth of the Word of God. First, is that they proceed, they go the way according to their ungodly desires. Uh, the word ungodly is formed uh, in the Greek text by the alpha privative and the verb to worship or to be reverent. In other words, uh, their lives are irreverent. They profess to know God but they deny him in their actions and their deeds. Uh, in other words, they are the opposite of who we are in irreverence. Secondly, they are divisive. They cause divisions, Jude says. Uh, the word here is literally to mark off. Uh, metaphorically, it means to make separation. Uh, the sense is that they cast themselves as enlightened superiors who seek to transform the orthodox into the heterodox. Orthodox in terms of the truth of Scripture. Heterodox in terms of another truth, which is really not the truth at all. A different orthodoxy within the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, I, would, I would define this in a number of ways, but certainly a great historical reminder is that of a general departure uh, from the theology of the Protestant Reformation. Think of it in this way. Uh, the Reformation reaches uh, the Puritans in England. Uh, many of them moved to Holland. Many of them uh, set sail for the Americas. The, the first churches in America reflecting the theology of the Protestant Reformation. It catches hold. Uh, great men like Jonathan Edwards propagate the Reformed faith. Uh, the first great awakening occurs in the middle of the 18th century, the United States, from, again, the preaching of the doctrines of the grace of God. Within a hundred years, there's another awakening, the second great awakening, that begins to totally reverse the theology of the Reformers, the theology of Edwards, the theology of George Whitfield. Many American churches come out of the second great awakening, totally reversing the theology of the reformers, the great awakening, the great revival in Europe, Germany. 
The church becomes heterodox. It embraces a different orthodoxy occurring within the church, rejecting the warning of Jude. In my appendage, when you begin to forget God, you will soon fail. Great descriptions all over the American papers of great moral defections within the church at large. Terrible stories. Unthinkable stories. But nonetheless, reminder that the character of men who profess to be Christian are otherwise, they are utterly irreverent. They have gone a different way, embraced a different truth, and it's seen in their character. And character matters. And they divide, they make separations. The church begins to fracture. Thirdly, uh, Jude says uh, that they are worldly-minded. And they are devoid of the Spirit. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit of God because they are spiritually appraised. The man outside of Christ cannot understand the things of the Spirit. He is devoid of them. And to say that a man is vacant the Spirit means that he is outside of the faith. Uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. Uh, if you are in the faith, you have the Spirit. And these men have neither. And that's the danger. They come into the church. Uh, they become false shepherds. Uh, they are wolves, but they're dressed as sheep. And they pose incredible danger. Uh, not just with respect to orthodoxy, but in terms of, of uh, transforming the church into a character that is opposite the moral law of God. And if we do not resist and reject them, uh, by acting upon the apostolic warnings, they will transform us uh, to look like them in the world. So the entire point of uh, Jude's imperative to remember is to remind us of uh, the danger of forgetting, uh, not just as a memory event, but as a, an event that speaks to every aspect of our lives. What can keep us from forgetting? Because it is a terrible disease uh, in all of life. Let's, let's change now from uh, the duty that Jude gives to us, from the majesty of the grace of God. If you have your Old Testament, I'm going to illustrate this from uh, the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 8, verse 1. Uh, the earth, of course, as you know, is being judged by a great flood. Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, but God remembered Noah. Thankfully, God remembers his people. Of course, it is a figure of speech. Uh, God doesn't remember in the sense that you and I remember. He knows everything, actual and possible in one eternal moment. He knows everything. He could not forget us. If he could, he would not be God. And by the way, I remind you of that because some of you are experiencing difficulties in your life. 
And you sometimes, like me, you begin to think, well, God has forgotten me. Uh, all I get when I pick up the phone to call heaven is a busy signal. That God has simply left my town, left my house, gone on a long trip far away. Point of the scriptures is that God remembered Noah and God remembers and knows you. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly your fears and your troubles. He knows everything about you. And if you're a son of God, his hand is upon you just as his hand was upon Noah. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 1. God remembered Noah. And what follows that figure of speech is that God acts. And that is the point. We're to remember God and act appropriately. God remembers and acts appropriately. What happens is a great wind moves upon the surface of the waters. It is a parallel to the Spirit hovering over the face of the deep, beginning the work of the creation. That God is recreating the earth, Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, by the great Spirit, the great wind of God. You and I are the sons and daughters of the new creation. And that's why I can say emphatically that God remembers and knows us. Because we are the sons of the new birth. We are the sons of the new creation. He has started that work in our hearts through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because God acted. Uh, it's the point of our salvation. Uh, we were lost. God found us. We were blind and he gave us sight. We couldn't hear and he opened our ears. Our, head, our hearts were like rocks, and he made them alive. Uh, the sons of the new creation. That Yes, we go through difficult times, but God, God can never forget us. Uh, great reminder is he remembered Noah, he remembers us, uh, makes provision. Uh, there's something uh, of this, uh, all of this language and theology in uh, the words of the Apostle John in his first epistle. Turn with me, if you would, to uh, 1 John uh, chapter 2 and verse 20. Uh, the context, verse 18, uh, is, again, of the end-time tribulation. Children is the last hour. Uh, Just as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, even so many Antichrists have arisen from this we know, it's the last hour. It's a danger that uh, the agents of Antichrist have flooded the church. And they went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out in order that it might be shown that they are not all of us. Now notice the grace of God. It's John writes of the church, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. The point is the anointing of the Holy Spirit braces upon all of the sons of new birth to keep us from leaving the faith. Many will go out. We don't. Why is that? Because we're smarter? Because we're better? Because we remember better? Have a sharper mental acuity? No, we don't forget because the Spirit of God has anointed us to remain faithful. If it were any other way, we would all defect. Great reminder, First uh, John, uh, chapter two, uh, in verse verse twenty, uh, the anointing of the Spirit of God. Uh, just as pronounced, if you would turn to chapter four, uh, verse four. 
Uh, again, uh, context is, uh, is uh, great danger within the church. Look at John chapter, chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, do not believe every spirit, but test them to see us whether they're from God. Why? Because the spirit of Antichrist has invaded the church. Uh, verse 3, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God, and this is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that it is coming, but now, now notice, and now it is already in the world. Uh, the just has the people of God have a Holy Spirit, uh, the opponents of the church have their own spirit, the spirit of Antichrist that energizes them to flood the church, to deceive it, to cause it to be swept away. But notice the grace of God. Verse 4, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. How is it that we abide faithful when so many leave and defect from the faith? Because we're from God. Our origin is divine. And whatever has divine origin will keep the faith and abide faithful and persevere in the truth. And they cannot forget because they are from God. And we have the Holy Spirit and greater is the Spirit within us than the Spirit that is in the world. Why is it that some forget and some don't? The entire answer is the grace of God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I, I do remind you of our duty uh, not to forget. Because forgetting means failing. The antidote to failing is preserving and persevering. And that we must remember the apostolic legacy because to do otherwise is to fail terribly, by degree. And it's the opposite, because we're from God, because the spirit is greater than the spirit of the world that is within us, means preserving and persevering. Uh, let us do that, engage it in love and affection. Uh, let's write it on our doors, our gates, our hands, our foreheads. Uh, let's teach our children coming and going what it means to preserve and to persevere. Uh, not in a literal sense, of course, but in the greater spiritual reality that we are a people uh, that remember God and do the words of God and keep them, honor them, respect them, persevere in them, because we are from him. And may our divine origin never be lost upon us as it speaks to us of the mighty power of the great spirit of God who has created within us uh, new hearts to keep, to preserve, and to protect, uh, to show the world that we belong to the one true God and we confess and honor him alone. And by that grace, we will not forget and we will persevere and preserve that deposit that the apostles and prophets have given to us.